With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to a special Wednesday edition of the Maze and Brew podcast here on Maze and Brew. I am the team site producer and managing editor, Anthony Broom. And with it being the week of the game, uh, Michigan-Ohio State, with it being Thanksgiving week, uh, we're adjusting the schedule a little bit. Normally, you'd get the recruiting podcast in this slot, but with people traveling, um, you know, I wanted to put something that'd be a little more evergreen that for something to listen to in the next few days or so. So what we've done is in the last few weeks, we talked to a few people with Michigan, familiar with Michigan, familiar with the Michigan-Ohio State rivalry, and we let them tell their side of it. Uh, a couple guys that you're pretty familiar with. The first is former Michigan linebacker Dahani Jones. He was on the 1997 National Championship team, three-time All-Big Ten defender. And the other is Jim Brandstatter, who was a member of that historic 1969 team who celebrates their 50th anniversary this year of beating a behemoth Ohio State team. You'll hear in that interview how the parallels are definitely there between this Michigan team and the one that he was on. So, we talked to both of those guys. The first one that you're going to hear is my chat with Dahani Jones. Now, just a little disclaimer before we get into that. This was taped ahead of the Indiana game, so you'll hear some things that'll sound like, you know, we're talking from the past, so to speak. But most of it was about Michigan-Ohio State. It was about an initiative that he is a part of um, with Irish Spring. So we'll hop right into that right now. So here's Mich- former Michigan linebacker. Former NFL player Dahani Jones. Hey Dahani, how's it going today? Oh, 
uh, you know, I'm good. I think this is, uh, it, it, uh, you know, it's good being on campus, right? And kind of, uh, when you win, when you win games, it doesn't seem like the clouds are as heavy as sometimes they, they feel, right? And everybody's just sort of in good spirits. And so, yeah, I oftentimes, my, my family just recently moved to, um, just recently moved to Detroit. Or not Detroit, well, the Detroit area. And, uh, it's been good to be able to go back and get on campus and, and spend time and just kind of pick up where I left off. Um, I'll be in a, in a little bit of a different position because I worked downtown in Detroit and, uh, we started, a we started a data company in partnership with Dan Gilbert, Quicken Loans and Rock Ventures. So, so a little bit of a, of a different, game, if you will, that I'm playing, uh, with our company called Petrum Data. But um but even so, being closer to Michigan and now being here for a full season and going to a bunch of games and first time getting our, our season ticket, my mom and I we're sitting we're sitting out there and you know you you uh you know, you realize you're like in in the den, right? You're in the lion's den because even if it's your stadium, you know, rivalry teams can pop up anywhere and they'll say whatever they want to because obviously you have your gear on, they have their gear on. Um, and so I was just reminiscing about uh, the Michigan State game. There was a guy behind me and he, just, he was saying all kinds of stuff. And my family is not necessarily the one to jaw jack in response. It's more of take the higher road. And um, and it's just coincidental that all of a sudden, you know, fortunate enough to be working with Irish Spring, and we're talking about you know creating these you know, this neutral zone, like this experience, right, where um, where fans can really come together, play games, you know, put aside their differences, um, maybe speak to the experience of being on different sides of the table, but you know, in a civilized manner, good, clean fun. Right. And then at the end of the day, be able to sing some karaoke. So it's, it's funny how things come full circle. I'm in town. Now I'm on, you know, now I'm on campus reminiscing, you know, you go to a game, people talk trash and then you're working with Irish spring. So it, it gets me excited and, uh, it makes, it makes me happy knowing that there's a, an incredible brand like Irish spring that's out there that's responding to how they have sort of, um, uh, approach to rivalry from a, uh, a a good and clean perspective, um, and to be a part of that. Yeah, well, you obviously uh, with rivalry games against Michigan State, Ohio State, you could uh, use as much cleaning up as as you possibly can. So I can't think of a better uh, a better partnership for from that standpoint. But let's let's talk about the Buckeyes here really quick. Uh, well, not really quick. That's kind of going to be the crux of our conversation here. But obviously, you were part of one of the more storied seasons uh, in Michigan football history. You were part of that national title team in 1997. Is there a moment that sticks out from that year or moments that when you sit back, you talk about how you're, you're back in town, you're reminiscing. What sticks out to you the most maybe from that year? That's maybe not just like, hey, we won the national title, like some of the other things. Yeah, so I think, I mean, there's, there's a game that, that sticks out, but I think, from the 97 season, you know, I remember when we were in our, um, in the team meeting room 
And I just remember this moment where it just seemed like everybody was on the same level, right? When everybody was just in the same same space. It seems rather esoteric and it seems rather like, you know, uh, what's the right word? I don't know. But it, it, it seems a little bit intangible. But on teams, there is this, there is this sense of um, there. There's a sense when things start to go as they should, and oftentimes, you know, teams don't really talk about it, right? It's like we got this good stuff, mojo-ish stuff rolling. Like, let's not get off it, but let's not acknowledge it because it's kind of like baseball, right? Anybody's got like a no hitter going. You don't even talk to the talk to the uh, the pitcher about it. You just let him pitch, right? And so that's what I remember the most about the team is like we had that mojo we had that good thing going and i think and i've and I've said it several times now in different ways since the penn state game as we started to make our way back we kind of kept going you know unfortunately we lost that game but every other subsequent game has been a, a, a piggyback on the previous game which has given us that much more confidence which is therefore confirmed you know, that we are a good football team. And that's been evident in the games that we've won by the spreads that we have. And, you know, and, and, and then we, you know, we kind of take that um, and move in, you know, move into, obviously we got a, you know, we got a game this weekend, Indiana, that's not going to be easy game. And then move into Ohio state. Um, those are the types of things that you know will change the overall outcome of the season, having that good feeling. And that's what I remember the most in 97. All right. Well, obviously Ohio state coming up, can't overlook Indiana, but everyone's kind of circling that game. This is one of the better Ohio state teams we've seen in a while, but let's talk about your memories from that rivalry was there a game against the Buckeyes that maybe was your favorite of, of the times you were on campus? Yeah, I mean, on campus was obviously the Rose Bowl year in 97. Uh, I think my that was my that was my favorite. The one that I remember the most was probably my first year playing against uh, uh, against Ohio State. You know, I was, on, I was a young kid, you know, that wasn't necessarily supposed to play college football. Got an opportunity had a, you know, a rather, um, what's the right word? A rather, um, I can't remember the word, but, uh, my mom was incredibly intelligent and she knew what, you know, she knew where I wanted to play and so she made it happen. Um, and so, you know, the first game, you know, you're playing against Ohio State. And you're like, wow, okay. You just went from high school, and now you're playing, you know, Michigan might as well be like the pros. And you understand, yeah, I understand what the rivalry was because we played a couple games here. And, you know, we obviously played Michigan State. You know, we, we played, I, I can't remember that full, full year. Um, but when we got down to Ohio State, I knew what was up. You know, my parents. Now, they told me about it, but then when I saw the brick in the back of their car, the window got busted out. You know, I, I understood now 
you know, what the rivalry is all all about, you know, and and sometimes people get a little bit a little bit aggressive. So, you know, I'm I, I and as I said before, we're not like that. You know, it's about good, clean fun. You know, we understand that the game is an important game. The history is the important history. The rivalry is important. Um, but don't forget, we're human as well, and we, you know, and we can put aside our differences and go out and have a good time for a little bit. All right. Well, you fast forward to now, and and in this rivalry, the script has kind of been flipped a little bit as rivalries tend to go. Back in the '90s, you guys were able to get the better end of the Buckeyes more often than not. But since the turn of the century, it's been pretty one-sided. And why why do you think that right. is? Um, you know what? I mean, obviously, Michigan had its own problems, kind of in the middle of uh, you know the middle of the decade here, uh, and it coincides yep. with Ohio state kind of taking that next step. But why do you think that, what, what do you think gave way to this rivalry being turned on its head? Like it has. Um, I, I you, you can't omit, um, the ups and downs that have happened over the better part of 20 years. You can't omit that. Right. Cause they're all interconnected. It's a, it's a, it's a domino effect. Um, with, Theme. It, it, it's a domino effect with institutions, a domino effect with students. Um, and I would say sports are an interesting place now. There's far more places where people can go to get noticed and then ultimately play at the highest level, right? Um, although you know, there's no place like Michigan, right? Um, but the way that you recruit, the types of players that you bring in, but ultimately the types of coaching you have and sort of the cultural relationship that, you know, the team has with one another, all of that um, has a massive effect on, on the season. And so you know, if you go back, you know, to even, you know, if you go back even to Rich Rod, right, those effects lasted a long time and they start to, as I said before, create a domino effect. And so all of that leads us up to this point where, the right thing has to happen at the right time with the right people and the right attitude, right moment. And then you kind of, I think this upcoming you know, two weeks is a, a natural turning point that we'll look back and say, oh, that's where we got back on track. I mean, theoretically, you could go all the way back to the Penn State game say, that's where we got back on track. We left. We, we lost, but we got back on track. Look at the games that we subsequently won up and um, look back on terms of the games that we won after that. So um, that's kind of how I look at it. Okay. And you, um, you know, you kind of just alluded to it here, but I think overall the Jim Harbaugh era at Michigan has been, you know, things have been stabilized. I think the program for the most part is in a really good and healthy spot right now. Uh, still no hardware, and, mm-hmm. and there were struggles early on this year, and, and really some struggles uh, in the last few years. We've seen some former players like Braylon Edwards, Charles Woodson, Jake Long, Steve Hutchinson at times have had things to say about where the program's at. I guess um, from your perspective, how would you sum up the Jim Harbaugh era so far? So – there's a lot of things that he had to. There's a lot of things that he had to do in order to get things where he wanted it to be, and it wasn't going to happen overnight. I would sum it up by saying, 
he's back on track at Michigan State. Obviously, he's still off track with Ohio State. And that's all that really ultimately matters. You know, we, you know, our, our, I don't even know our postseason record. Um, I think with the playoffs, it kind of throws people in, to think about it differently. Um, uh, but I know that the way that Harbaugh coaches and the, the people that he brings in, he's extremely, extremely intentional about what he wants it to look like. And he's even sacrificed. He's sacrificed, you know, or taking pay cuts, you know, um, go on a limb for, for people in order for them to be a part of his, his team. He had to unfortunately let people go that uh, probably are near and dear to him. He, you know, so he's put himself on the, the hot seat. And I think finally the Mariplois, time to use the word, you like that? Yeah. Um, the <laughs> nice. Mariplois is, 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 uh, has started um, to come together. Right, and he has the the right mix, the right flavors, and it it's starting to look, feel, see, and sound, and act like, uh, and you know, a, a, an institution that has the winningest tradition in the entire country, and so that makes me excited. So regardless of all the other stuff, all I care about, um. All I care about is this season. Okay. And, and talking about former players, I mean, the guys have had things to say, both critical, uh, objective, subjective, things like that. Um, some guys have handled it better than others. Some guys have, you know, kind of Ooh. at times pulled their pants down and, and made an ass out of themselves. Where do you stand on what a former player's role should be in giving feedback to an era of a program that they're not necessarily associated with? Ooh, that's a deep question. <laughs> that's a deep, that was a deep, deep question. I think the way that my mother would tell me to respond to that question is you are responsible for what you say. And everything and everything that you say has a ramification. But ultimately, your opinion matters. And I think from a former player, regardless if you play in the past, present, or into the future, um, it carries weight. And regardless if it's for the good or for the bad, it should be taken into consideration. Uh, now, there's probably people who say, well, you know, players that played in the past, what do they know about what's going on now? No, we know. We can feel it. We can see it. We can, we can tell you certain things. We may not know everything. But that should have and carry some validity because we need everybody to participate. Um, I don't think, from my perspective, it's helpful to um, talk in a divisive way because if we're all on the same team, then we need to keep each other together. I think that some conversations need to be held in the public forum and others need to be held in the private forum. That's how I operate. Um, other people may not act that way. And going back to what I said before, your actions will reverberate and there will be ramifications because of it. And some people, um, as long as you understand that, it's fine. Um, but I love our team. I'm fully behind Harbaugh. I know that we haven't won every game. I know that we're not going to win every game. I hope we have an opportunity to win every game. But this is football. 
Anything can happen. And it doesn't matter if you're the top-ranked team or if you're the worst-ranked team. Anybody can come out and block a kick and take it back to win the game. And you'll hear about it for the rest of your life. <laughs> right? There you go. Um, yeah. So I, I'm, I, I just love this game. That's why football is such a powerful unifier of people because anything can happen. That's why this rivalry is important because anything can happen. And people do choose sides. But I think it's also important from a, you know Irish Spring perspective, right? For everybody to come together in a neutral zone and 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 sing and have a good time and have fun. And sure, there might be some quips here and there, but ultimately, let's get back to what sports have always been for so many—an opportunity for all of us to come together and just really enjoy um, entertainment and the competitive nature of men. Okay, I'll get you out of here on this one. Uh, say it's the night before the Ohio State game. You are called in to speak to this current team. And using your knowledge of the rivalry, your experience of the rivalry, your experience in getting to the mountaintop, what's your message to this current batch of Wolverines heading into a game where they're likely, I mean, they will be considered a, probably a pretty decent-sized underdog? Yeah, um, I, I, when I speak to teams, I always come from a very personal standpoint. And so I probably would lead off by, you know, telling a story about how I was the smallest guy, how I wasn't the fastest guy, um, how I wasn't the most talented guy. But it was the work that I put in that allowed me to be where I am. And that work took time. And eventually, I got it. And in the same way that this team has put in work and has gone through their shares of ups and downs, I think it's evident over the last couple of weeks that you got it. And so let's not think too far back and let's not think too far ahead. Let's just concentrate on now and understand the preparation and the talent and the moment you've been given to shine in front of so many so that when you look back, you realize that this was the changing point and this was the ultimate defining moment for Michigan football. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
All right, next up on the Maze and Brew podcast, team site producer Anthony Broom here. Thanks to Hani Jones for his time in that interview. A lot of good stuff there, and looking forward to um, hopefully seeing him out there on Saturday. Our next discussion is with someone you guys are all familiar with. It's Michigan Radio play-by-play voice Jim Brandstatter, a guy who not only has, has been calling Michigan games in some form or fashion for a long time, he's the primary play-by-play voice now, guy who's also done Detroit Lions games, but he was also a member of that historic 1969 team, and I encourage you, we're not going to do the history lesson here, if you're not familiar, which you should be by now, it's one of Michigan's most famous teams, Bo Schembechler's first year, they go out, they beat a behemoth Ohio State team that was supposed to clobber them, they go out, they win 24-12. to So I caught up with Jim Brandstatter on Tuesday, we discussed his game prep and what his process is like. Maybe if he's got any catchphrases lined up or, or any calls, should Michigan actually pull this thing off on Saturday? Uh, we also discussed some of the parallels between his 69 team and the current team. So here we go. Uh, this is my chat with Jim Brandstatter. All right, joining us now on the podcast is Jim Brandstatter. He is the radio play-by-play voice of Michigan football. Jim, it's good to have you on the week of uh, Michigan-Ohio State. Thanks very much. It's great to be on. What a great week to be on. I mean, uh, the week of all weeks, the game. I'm excited. Yeah, uh, definitely a slow week. Not a lot of work for you to do, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, before I was – before I stopped doing Lions games – it used to be the most impossible two weeks and amazing because I literally we had four games in eight days that you had to prepare for, and uh, now with just Michigan, you know, you just got the two games in in in, in a week, Indiana and then I say, but it used to be uh, Michigan game, Lion game, then Lion game on Thanksgiving Day, and then Michigan game afterwards. So, uh, boy, not doing the Lions game sure helps me out, even though it's still off the charts busy. Yeah. Well, a lot of people might think that, I mean, people who aren't familiar with the, the process, I kind of come from a broadcasting background. You obviously have a ton of experience there. But a lot of people, or those who aren't quite in the know, might think that you and Dan just kind of show up on Saturdays. You put on, <laughs> you put on a headset, you call what you see. But, but there's obviously a ton to prepare for, um, especially a week like this, big game broadcast, a lot of people tuning in. What is that process like for you, and how early in the week do you start putting things together for a Saturday game? Uh, normally, I start on Monday. Uh, this week, because of Thanksgiving and other things that are going on, plus we have the 1969 team reunion, which takes some of my Friday away, I started on Sunday. As soon as uh, we got back from Indiana, I started putting together my Ohio State two-deep depth chart. Um, and then yesterday was all the – paperwork type stuff with the stats for updating Michigan stats through 11 games, updating Ohio State stats through 11 games, uh, making sure all that stuff was on, on, on the two deeps, um, you know, putting numbers and little stats and little factoids kind of together uh, on a yellow legal pad. I kind of do that. And then last evening I started watching tape and I will watch tape uh, yet today and then tomorrow, uh, I've already seen them against Penn State. I've got the queued up the Maryland game with Ohio State right now. So I'll look at that through Wednesday. And then uh, Friday morning, before I really get started in Indiana, I'll probably look at a little bit more tape. And then on 
I've got a bunch of stuff to do Friday night because we have a 69-team reunion. And then at noon on Saturday, we'll kick it off. And everything I got uh, put together from Sunday to Friday will be something I use during the game. Okay, well, obviously, you know, we're not going to give away any state secrets here, but you've you've been watching the tape. What do you <laughs> Coach Harbaugh wouldn't be happy with you for that, but what do you see on tape nope. from this Ohio State team right now? They're really talented, man. I I think this uh Justin Fields at quarterback is a key guy. Uh he he hurt Penn State big time on third and longs and fourth down plays running the ball. They would spread they would spread Penn State out with five wide receivers. And then that'd leave, you know, Penn State with, you know, not too many guys in the interior, and they'd just block him and then let Fields take a run wherever he saw a crease. And he's good enough to get through it and make yardage. And, boy, that third and eight quarterback scramble, third down conversion is really a dagger in the heart of the defense. So he's very good. And the other guy, I think, on the other side of the ball is Chase Young. Um, He's one of the few defensive guys that play today. That as an offensive coordinator, you've got to you've got to scheme somehow to block him. You, you, I mean, he's one guy on the defense, but uh, from my perspective and looking at the tape, he is a guy that if you don't figure some kind of a scheme to uh, neutralize him, then you're probably going to get yourself in trouble. All right, well, let's talk about this current Michigan team for a bit. So, I mean, you look at where they started, where things are at now. Has this, to you, I mean, you've been around this team for a long time. Has this been one of the more remarkable season start to season end turnarounds that you've seen with how it began with Army, Wisconsin, Penn State, and then where we're at today? Yeah, I think it has been. And and and, and it's a great thing, too, because I come from the Schembechler era, okay? And, and one of the things that he always told all of us, that you, you never get better or you never stay the same. You either get better or you get worse. So that every week, if your you know goal is to improve and get better, this team has done that. This team has gotten better week in and week out, and they're playing their best football at the end of the season, which is exactly uh, where you want it to be. And, and, and when you're in that kind of a mode, you actually – think about improving i mean as good as they played against indiana and notre dame and all these last four games uh there still is that motivation i think uh, amongst themselves we can be better we can still be even better and and that's i think where this michigan team has been so good and the turnaround has been so amazing and remember they're putting in a brand new whole whole new offense that kind of took a while to get going but once it did uh, it has, uh, you know, reached the expectations we thought it was going to have at the beginning of the season. Who do you think is most responsible for this turnaround? Is it the coaches? Is it the seniors? Is it a bit of column A, column B, or what, where do you see it? I, I, I think, like you just said, I think it's all of the above. I mean, the players have to buy in, but they have to execute, right? Uh, and 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 somewhere in that second quarter of the Penn State game, it just seemed to click. And same thing with the defense. And, and I think Don Brown really, after the Wisconsin game, pointed out, you know, defensively, we had a bunch of guys trying to do too much. I mean, we all, all of us, all 11 guys wanted to stop Jonathan Taylor. Well, that's not how you stop him. You stop him by doing your job and freeing somebody else up to make a play. But you don't have to. And I think they got caught up in that, that game. And, and I think that's what happened. But ever since then, they've been just like the offense. They have improved on a weekly basis. And they've played within themselves, and they're playing great team defense. 
And uh, I think offensively, it's the same thing. It's a combination of the players, the coaches getting it across, and then I think the whole idea of uh, practicing. Once you practice, you, you get it right, and it shows up in a game, you gain confidence. And all of that, I think, turns into a snowball, and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you roll down the year. And right now, it's at the best it's, it's been. So I think it's a combination. Coaching, players buying in, and players executing, and playing with that you know, uh, team concept that do my job, and somebody else will make the play. Because on the next play, uh, somebody else is going to do their job, and I'll make the play. And I think that's the way you play great team football. Well, going back to last year's game, and we won't rehash that too much, but you know, we talk about the early season struggles and, and installing a new offense amid you know the expectations that they had heading into this year. Do you think that part of that was maybe that they were a little bit still shell-shocked coming out of last season uh, with the Ohio State game, the bowl game, and just kind of putting too much pressure on themselves? Did you Do you think any of that was there? No, I really don't. I don't think that so much as it was kind of, getting their feet on the ground with a whole new you know, offensive coordinator. And, and remember, the defense had lost Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary, and Devin Bush, all of whom are now in the National Football League. And, and you, you've got to kind of readjust and retool and, and get that confidence going. And, and you saw how during the early part of the season, guys started to really show up. I mean, we knew Aiden Hutchinson was going to be good and Carlo Kemp, but Mike Dana has really turned into to a – a big time solid quality player and uh, the, the linebacking core, it was going to be, um, you know, Cam McGrone came out of nowhere uh, because uh, who was going to replace uh, Devin Bush. And uh, it was going to be Josh Ross. And guess what? Here comes Josh gets hurt in game three. And all of a sudden here you are with Cam McGrone. So I think developing that whole uh, chemistry, you know, I know it's a term that's used a lot but it took a little while because of the changes defensively and brand new offensive coordinator. There was a certain amount of chemistry and learning that I had to go in. And I think, like I said, somewhere around mid season, just somewhere in that Penn state game, it clicked and it may have clicked a little bit earlier for, for, for the defense. But I think in that Penn state game, it clicked for both sides of the ball. And since then they've been exceptional. Okay. Well, you made mention about the 69 team, the uh, the reunion that you guys will have this week. Uh, to quote Mickey Redmond, I'm sure there'll be a few ginger ales there. But uh, you guys, I would imagine <laughs> so. <laughs> um, you know, you guys were part of arguably one of the most iconic wins in the history of this rivalry, history of college football. Uh, you're going to be asked about that a ton this week. So I'll kind of I'll kind of bring it into the here and now. What do you see any parallels between? your team going into that Ohio State game and this Michigan team that is going in there for this Ohio State Oh, It's uncanny what, what, how the parallels. I mean, after five games in 69, we were three and two. Same thing here. There was a big snowstorm prior to the Ohio State game. Uh, there was in Michigan. Uh, you know, we, we had a brand-new offense and brand-new defense, both installed in the spring – uh, because Bo Schembechler was in his first year. Uh, Ohio State was coming off an unbeaten season, even though last year they weren't unbeaten, but they were uh, awful good, won a Big Ten championship. Uh, this year, Ohio State, and they were considered in 69 the best team ever assembled in college football. And uh, you look at the numbers of this Ohio State team, it's the same thing. 
uh, and they're coming up to Ann Arbor, and they're probably going to be three touchdown favorites. So are there parallels? You bet there are. And and the one question is now, and it happens at kickoff, can this Michigan team you know, repeat the same kind of upset that we were able to accomplish uh, with great emotion and great play and darn good talented players? And that's that's why they play the game, and, and that's why I'm so excited about watching this one. All right, so this next one's going to be a fill-in-the-blank question. Michigan pulls off the upset on Saturday if. If Justin Fields uh, and uh, Chase Young are mitigated to some somewhat. You're never going to stop them, I don't think, but uh, they're, they're not you know, the prime factors in, in Ohio State success. And the other thing is, I think, is if Michigan wins the turnover battle. Okay. Well, you have other projects you're working on right now, too. I know you're doing a podcast. Uh, fill us in on where we can find that, what type of content we can expect, and then the type of guests and stories that uh, might happen on there. Oh, it, it's been a great thing. It's called uh, Conversations With, and if people want to go listen to the whole season, you can binge listen if you want. It's uh, Go to thebrandyshow.com on the, on the uh, Internet, and uh, there are uh, uh, an area where you can click on podcasts, but there are uh, interviews with Jack Harbaugh. It, it's more historical stuff, and it's just kind of sitting down and talking with someone, having a conversation, and telling stories. Uh, but they revolve around my background, the Detroit Lions, uh, University of Michigan. I've got John Jansen, Jack Harbaugh, Andrea Fisher-Newman is one of my guests, who is a uh, former regent at the University of Michigan, talk about the, the cost of education. So it's not all football. We, we do some Michigan State stuff, too. Uh, my brother and, and Gregory Kelser from the uh, 1979 Michigan State National Championship basketball team with Magic Johnson. We talk Lions football with Lomas Brown. Uh, we talk broadcasting with Ray Lane, a great old broadcaster from Detroit. Uh, former Lions coach Don Clements is also a guest. There's, there's all kinds of fun things, and it's really diverse. It's not all football, and it, it, it's not all just telling you know, stories and stuff from those games, but it's about you know, learning lessons, uh, things like that, that people who've been around it, for a long period of time, um, you know, have great lessons to share and great stories to share that we can all learn from. I, I love doing every one of them. I, I do 15 per season, and uh, I did Dan Petrie. He's, he, he will be our uh, closing guy, and, of course, he's from the 1984 World Champion, World Series Champion Detroit Tigers. So it's kind of all my background, you know, Southeast Michigan Tigers. Red Wings, you mentioned Mickey Redmond. He's on my list for next season uh, to talk about his relationships with Gordy Howe and the Montreal Canadiens back in the day and then in broadcasting. So uh, I love talking to these people. They've got great stories and it's kind of like sitting at a bar sharing a ginger ale, uh, just telling stories and having someone eavesdrop on that story and that conversation, which is what I tried to get out of this podcast called conversations with. Excellent. Well, I have one final question. Uh, a guy, you know, Back to broadcasting. So a guy like Jim Nance, uh, usually when you know, it seems like if the unthinkable happens or, or whatever, he's he's always got some call ready in his head for a historic. He moment. does, doesn't he? Uh, yeah. You don't have to give any away, but do you have anything in mind for Saturday, just in case? 
Any puns? Any anything in your brain? You know, I, 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 I there are there are probably five or ten things that are rolling through my head. But here, here's my take on that as an old broadcaster. If if it's scripted, it isn't as much fun. No. Or it isn't as memorable. Like, Bob Eufer and the things that he did, they, they were never scripted. They just came at the moment. Like, when Anthony Carter scored, you know, oh, my God, fielding eight Joseph's looking down from football's Valhalla. Bob never scripted that. <laughs> It just it just happened, and it, and I think that that's the stuff that's most memorable. To go back to the great calls of of all time, Jack Buck when uh, uh, Kirk Gibson hit the home run, and you know, was, I don't believe what I just saw. That that's not a script, and, and yet that is an iconic uh, iconic call in all kinds of things. Ernie Harwell's calls, you know, some of those things are just unbelievable. So. I, I, I've got 10 or 11 things, you know, rolling around in my head. But at, at a moment, if that moment happens, whatever comes out, hopefully will, you know, rise to the level that uh, people will remember it uh, down the road. I, I hope so. But I'm not writing anything down now. All right, cool. Well, we're hoping. Does that answer the question? Does that answer the question? <laughs> yeah, it does. We're hoping that you'll be caught off guard and, and need to find something to say at the end of the game uh, like that. Hey, it, so, wor- it works for me. Like I said, I got five or six things rolling in my head, and you know, at, at some point, if I see it's going to happen, I'm sure I'll whatever it is, it'll blurt out. All right. And, and those, to me, are the most genuine. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, we've been talking to Jim Brandstetter, radio play-by-play voice of Michigan football, member of the, the 69 Michigan team that won in similar circumstances. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. Jim, I appreciate your time. We'd, we'd love to have you back to talk more. I know you have no shortage of stories to tell. So thanks for taking the time. Oh, out yeah. And good luck with the prep and, and have a good Thanksgiving and all that stuff. I appreciate it. I'm uh, getting ready to watch uh... – Ohio State, Maryland right now, prepping for that game. But uh, thanks very much. Anytime, you guys. Be, be well. You too. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks to both Dahani Jones and Jim Brandstatter for the discussion. Great guys. We hope we'll be able to get them back on, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. I enjoyed talking to both of them. Uh, as far as we go, uh, we're done here for the day. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your holidays. You can follow me on Twitter, at Anthony T. Broom. Follow the website at Maze and Brew. We're on every social media platform. You can get our podcast wherever you get your shows. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. We'll be back tomorrow with a brand new episode of the Maze and Brew podcast. So thanks again. Happy Thanksgiving. Don't eat too much. Actually, eat as much as you want. And uh, enjoy yourselves. We'll talk to you again soon.